welcome to Offkey, a Membrane Labs podcast about music's professionals for non-music professionals. I'm your host, Linsa Arnold. Mille fois par jour, tes yeux... Hi, and welcome back to Offkey. This week, I'm talking to Geneviève Rosette, a French-Canadian singer-songwriter from Dorval, Quebec. Geneviève is currently in the process of releasing her album, No Water, No Flowers, and came on Offkey to talk to me about the inspiration behind the album and how she's working to grow an audience outside of Quebec. Let's get right into our conversation. Thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so where did you where did you grow up? I grew up in Dorval, which is uh, the suburbs of Montreal. Um, it's a pretty bilingual community, actually. It's, it's called the West Island of Montreal. Um, I grew up there, and now I live in in Verdun, which is kind of like another suburb of Montreal, but but much closer to Montreal. Okay, nice. Do you spend? a lot of time like in the city like center area or you do you like stay are you like working from home more well I work a lot from home but um I mean we're very very close to to downtown so and we have a a metro subway station right right in like 30 seconds walk from uh, our place so I go see a lot of concerts and I really like I really like Montreal it's a great city there's so much music I mean any night of the week that you want to go out and see some good music you will find at least three or four really good shows anywhere you go so I, I really love living close to to the action yeah I I've never been to Montreal but I really really want to go I'm hoping this year I'll do like a little trip like I haven't traveled um on like the east coast of Canada at all really except really when I was like a baby which doesn't count um I'd <laughs> love to do a trip over and see like Toronto Montreal and yeah yeah, I I love the I love the West. I mean, <laughs> I love the mountains and but I mean, as for a city where I would live, I don't think I can't imagine myself living anywhere else in here in Montreal. Really, it's uh, like I love to travel, but I, I love living in Montreal. Mm-hmm. What do you What do you like about it? Just kind of like the art scene, or well, definitely the art scene, and I I I really like the the bilingual thing in Montreal. I think it's really special and unique about our city. And it, it it proves acceptance too. Most of the time, I mean, most of the time. Sometimes no, but sometimes like you'll go to a restaurant and uh, the waiter will just like start the order in English and then you'll switch to French and everybody kind of just like goes with the flow. And I think that's that's really that 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 proves a lot of acceptance and I like that of Montreal. But obviously the arts too. Like in the summer, um, there's a lot of music festivals. There's um, Francofolie, which is like the it's kind of like jazz fest, but it's only French music, so it's really great to discover a bunch of artists and obviously the Montreal Jazz Fest. And there's just so many outdoor shows and indoor shows. It's just, it like never stops. The music never stops. I love it. <laughs> oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I really want to go. I've had a few friends move in like the last couple of years, like from Victoria um, to get over there. And yeah, it sounds, it sounds amazing. It just sounds like there's so much going on all the time. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, how did you kind of first get into music? Like, do you come from like a really musical family? Like, did you play instruments or anything? Or is it something you got into kind of as you got older? 
Oh, no, I come from a very, very musical family. Um, my mother is a trained classical pianist. Um, my father plays guitar. He's been playing guitar his whole life. And uh, they're just, my parents are music lovers. Like, you know, a lot of families would have like uh, family movie nights, right? And we, we would have like DVD, live live show DVD night. Like we would put on like a Genesis live show on the tv and we'd watch that and yeah so my music my my family is very very musical my sister also plays the piano and sings and she's amazing my brother plays guitar and he played the trumpet in high school so I mean everybody plays and honestly I think if I would have told my parents like mom dad I want to be an accountant they would have been like no I'm very disappointed in you you have to be a musician, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like the opposite of a regular family. But no, my family is extremely musical. And I'm very lucky to have grown up with that. I mean, I I started to sing because my older sister sang, and I literally copied everything she did. So that's, that's really how I started to sing. She, she liked a lot of very different music. Like she listened to um, like super poppy stuff like NSYNC and Britney Spears and stuff you know like 1999 um, but she also listened to like Radiohead and Matthew Good and Our Lady Peace and all these like r- kind of dark <laughs> artists so it's a weird 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 mix but we would like learn songs together and play them and sing them in harmony when we were kids like so I started like working on my harmonies and my voice I was like five years old so it's like I've never I don't even remember a a time where I didn't sing. It's it's always been a part of me. That's amazing. Um, did you and your family like play music together very often? Or were you kind of all doing <laughs> your own thing? Well, I think we were kind of all doing our own thing. But um, I mean, me and my sister would sing a lot together. I would sing. So I still sing with my mom. I love singing with my mom. She's, I didn't say, but she's a great singer. Um, and I would play with my dad, but rarely like everyone together (laughs) kind of like little duos or little trios but I don't think we've ever all played together it's a lot of guitars you know (laughs) yeah yeah maybe maybe someday we'll get the receptionally band together (laughs) maybe maybe I would love it if if my sister my sister lives in Vancouver actually and um if she lived in Montreal I would love her to be in my band like I love singing with her but unfortunately she lives far away (laughs) so yeah it's no quick quick trip either no, no. Canada's yeah. a Canada's a big one I remember when I was like anytime I travel and people are like oh like you're from Canada you must like go to like Niagara Falls all the time it's, it's like, like oh my god you no. have an idea how big it is yeah <laughs> yeah um for anyone who might be like unfamiliar with you as an artist or kind of your music how would you like describe your sound I guess I feel like that's such a hard question when people ask me that I'm like oh it's so hard to answer about yourself right um Definitely, definitely folky, a little little country, folk pop. Um, I think what makes me stand out maybe would be the fact that I am a bilingual artist. I mean, I do write songs in French and in English, and it's my new album is actually like a mix of both languages. And it's the first time that I release any English stuff. So I decided to kind of kind of do a mix. And um, I mean, as an artist, I think I would describe myself as being really dedicated to, to my art and to music. Um, like I said, I can't remember a time where I didn't sing. So it's very important to me. It's everything to me. Music is just, it's everything to me. And I, I work very, very hard. I'm, I'm recently, I recently 
am a, an independent artist. I used to have a, a label and a manager and all the all the stuff, but I decided that I needed to kind of take control of my career and my art and kind of, I don't want to say start over because I don't feel like I'm starting over. I feel like I'm kind of going to the next level, next step, but I kind of needed to gain more control over over my art. So I'm recently independent again, but I love it. I feel I feel really great. And it's, it was a, a really good decision for me to make. Did you kind of decide to make that change because you felt like your career and your your work was kind of going in a direction that you weren't maybe happy with? Or was it just kind of like time to shake things up? Um, I mean, I, I was always um, like, uh, oh, how do I say this in English? I always like, paid for all the production of everything I did I've, I've always been in charge and with my label I was um it, it's called licensing so I still like was in charge of all the decisions and but you know because I was in charge of all the decisions and because I, would, I was doing a lot of work I just thought I think I could do it on my own and I mean 2019 record labels I mean I love record labels but the industry is changing so much and I don't think they are as important as they used to be. And I feel like with, you know, Spotify, Apple Music and like the streaming and it gives a lot of power to the artists. And I think we have to take advantage of that and try to take control over our own careers if, if you can. I mean, I'm a very like hardworking person and I'm very, very organized. I know some artists are maybe not as organized as me, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I just thought I had the potential to to kind of do it on my own for 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 now for this album it was this album was 100% me and I just felt like it I needed to do it on my own oh that's so cool thank you <laughs> for people that might not know like one of the things that we're kind of trying to I guess unpack with this podcast is kind of like what you know these roles are in these terms in regards to the music industry so when you say that your agreement with the label was licensing like yes. would you mind just kind of explaining what that means yeah sure um I'll try my best <laughs> licensing means that I would as an artist pay for the production of the album meaning like I would pay for the musicians pay for the producer pay for the the album art take uh, the photographers the graphic design um what else you know all this all the the expensive stuff. So you pay for the production of the of the record of the album, and then you you literally bring the like the final files, the final MP3s, the waves, the masters. You bring those to the label, and their job is to market it, to sell it. That's what licensing is. That means the the record label doesn't pay for me to go to the studio. They don't pay for my time. It's it's like a pretty much like a marketing deal. I mean, that's how it works here in Quebec. I'm pretty sure that's how it works anywhere else but that, that was my experience for the last okay cool yeah no that's really that's really good to know that's really useful yeah I think there's different kinds of of of, of contracts too um but that, that was my contract and I mean it was good for the time and I learned a lot of things and it went well I just like I said I just felt like I needed to do this on my own yeah fair enough did you study music kind of like in post-secondary as well or was it kind of something that you did you know as a hobby throughout kind of like high school and your childhood and then eventually kind of transitioned it into a professional path or did you kind of go into you know education like post-secondary being like I'm gonna study music yeah 
I did stu- I did study music and it was great. I went to um in Quebec we have this thing called Cégep, which is a school that you go to after high school type thing. It's like before university, but there's some Cégep programs that are like sufficient. Um it's like a three-year thing and that's what I did. It's called a technique, technique in music. Um and it was called the program was called program was called um chant jazz, so like jazz vocals. And uh, but it, I mean, jazz is very large. I sang all sorts of different music. Um, I had a really great uh, vocal coach there called Lana Carbono, and she kind of just let me do whatever I wanted. It was great. I love the vocal lessons that she gave me. And I mean, most of the people that I work with today, like my musicians, my producer, I've met them there. It was a very important time in my life. Um, but I didn't write yet. I mean, I wasn't writing in Cégep, but I learned a lot about music theory, interpretation, like the history of music, all the very important stuff. And after my cégep, I didn't really want to go to university. A lot of people go to university after they go to cégep. And I wasn't ready to be like not going to school. That made me very, very nervous. And I found this school called L'École Nationale de la Chanson de Granby. So it's like Granby's National Songwriting School. And it's in Granby, which is like maybe an hour away from Montreal, kind of on the countryside. Um, and it's a one-year program to kind of learn things about songwriting. Because um, the program I did in Cégep was really about music. Like um, I did arrangements for like big bands and stuff. You, you see how it's it's very different from like songwriting with your, your guitar and talking about your emotions and stuff. <laughs> so I went to that school in Granby for a year. Um, I lived there in the country for a year. It was my first apartment. It was a little wild. <laughs> and um, actually, before before going there, I had um, written them an email like asking questions about the program. And they wrote to me and they said, okay, well, how many songs have you written so far? And I said, I said three. I said, yeah, I wrote three songs. But it was a lie. I had never written a song in my life. And then they emailed me back and they were like, okay, well, send us your songs and we'll see if you could, we'll put you in the program or not. There's a jury. And, and I was like, okay, I guess I got to write some songs. <laughs> and uh, actually one of those three songs is uh, my first song that played on the radio. It's called Bricolage. So, I mean, didn't happen for nothing. It kind of pushed me to, to write my first songs. It was, it's it's a funny story, but yeah, I wrote my first songs with a little white lie. That's how I wrote. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, that's just what you gotta do. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny. I think today when I when I look back, I can't believe I did that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, at least at least it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. It, it worked out for the best. <laughs> do you work? Do you work well under pressure? Like, are you the kind of person that if you are given like a tight deadline it's like okay like this is what we're doing this will this will happen yeah. or do you need I never thought I was but looking back on several occasions I guess I am good at working under pressure <laughs> yeah it, it's it's tough because when you don't have a deadline it's kind of like you keep changing it or you just like you wait for another day or you know it's like when you have a deadline it you have to do it and I guess that could that could help it helped me for sure I imagine too, if you're doing something like making music that you can pretty easily just like be beating a dead horse kind of to get it yeah. quote unquote perfect, right? Yeah, absolutely. How 
what sorry um how was the program there like did you did you find it really helpful and like useful for songwriting and your music and things I mean for sure and I I was there for a year and like I said I wrote maybe three songs before going there um so I was a pretty I was pretty new at at writing songs and one thing that I looking back I kind of regret I was very very shy like I I not not my personality but more about like showing my my art to people I was uh, very resilient to showing let's say a song that wasn't done or sharing an idea I felt like very very shy about my writing skills because I was just starting and some people that were doing the program we were 14 I believe and some people were writing like their whole lives or like studied literature and had amazing French and um, as you can see I'm, I'm pretty bilingual and for me it's kind of like I'm good in French I'm good in English but I'm not like amazing at either of them <laughs> um, so it was kind of uh, yeah it was a little kind of like a it was hard for me at first because I realized okay maybe I need to work on some of my skills but I definitely learned a lot um, about songwriting interpretation it was it was a good year and also it gave me the opportunity to focus on my art only that for a year which like never happens so that was great and I met a lot of people who I still work with today that that uh, went to the school at, at the same time as me so yeah it was a really overall a really good opportunity what's your songwriting process like now oh it's so weird honestly my songwriting process is very slow in the sense that I rarely write more than like six songs a year Um, but when I do write a song it usually comes out in like 30 minutes I'm a very emotional person and I think I let my emotions kind of build up and until I can't take it anymore, and then it kind of just comes out in a song. <laughs> um, I'm trying to to work on that because, you know, uh, my my last album came out in 2016. It was called Les Aurores Boreales, and now three years later, I'm about to release a new one. Three years is kind of long, so I'm trying to work on different different processes to 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 write. Um, I started doing co-writes too. There's a lot of co-writes on my new record. I realized that, you see, when I was at the school in Granby, co-writes were like my nightmare. I, <laughs> because I felt, I, I don't know why, I felt very inferior to everybody else and I was nervous to work with other people. But I did build my confidence and I realized that co-writing, if you feel like that in the first place, if you feel inferior to the other person, it's not going to it's not gonna give you some a nice song. It's, it's not going to be a nice experience. You're just going to feel shitty about yourself. So you have to go in with like a very open mind and just realize that I personally I think that every songwriter they they all think they're bad like it's like the imposter syndrome right so I think if if you go into a session to write with someone and you have a good attitude and you feel good about yourself on that day you're most likely going to come out with with something good so I started to do a lot of co-writing with some friends um even I'll like write the music other people write the lyrics it's just yeah I'm trying to explore different ways to write um since when I right it's it's kind of slow yeah I guess in saying that like do you find the songwriting process then to be quite like cathartic and like therapeutic and after you know it's done you're like okay that's over oh absolutely I mean when I do write a song when like 100% on my own um I feel so most of the time very relieved and super proud and happy um but also sometimes I'm scared because I think 
I often think, okay, this is this is a good song. I'm pretty sure this is the last one. Like, <laughs> I'll never be able to write another one. I often get that feeling. But uh, talking to other singer-songwriter friends, um, everybody gets that feeling. But it's definitely therapeutic for me to write. Um, on my new album, I wrote a, a lot about experiences that happened to me in the past three years. I lived a lot of things. I'm approaching 30 years old. I mean, uh, my ideas are changing and... A lot of people in my family have passed away and that definitely inspired me for the new record. So, and it's, yeah, it's definitely therapeutic to write about something you're going through. Makes me feel much better anyway. That's really cool too, to be able to like look at, you know, like a record or an EP and kind of be like, oh, like that was like that time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that. And I mean, that's what I'm very proud of for this new record that's called, uh, it's called No Water, No Flowers. And for me, when I listen to the songs, like I know exactly what each song, what I was going through when I wrote it, who it's talking about. And I feel like this record really represents the last three years of my life. Um, but my first record, Les Aurores Boreales, I feel like it was kind of like, kind of, of, of a mix and match, like really, really old songs, some newer songs, some songs that I didn't really write. Um, so of course, I'm still connected to these songs and I still love them, the older songs. But I do feel like there's something special in this new record because um, No Water, No Flowers is really, really represents something to me too. This this saying, No Water, No Flowers, it's kind of like everything happens for a reason. And I have been through like kind of some tough stuff um, the past three years, but my life is going so well and so, some some things happened. Yeah, I really believe that everything happens for a reason. And that's really like the motive of of no water, no flowers. I saw that that was kind of like the first, I mean, on like Apple Music and iTunes anyways, that this was the first full length album that you've like kind of released. Like in the past, you've mostly done EPs. Yeah. What's kind of the difference for anyone that doesn't know, like between the two, between like an album and an EP? Well, an album is um, technically, I think it has to be like 40 minutes or longer or something like that. Um, EP actually means extended play. I believe that an EP used to be tracks that weren't released on the LP, the long play. So I, I believe that artists used to do that. Like they'll release an extra four songs after the album was released. Um, but it, I mean, today it has changed. Personally, for me, uh, my first EP that I did in 2014, um, there was four songs on it. And honestly, it's because I was broke and I could only afford four songs. <laughs> So that that was the reason why I did an EP, but I mean it's a great it's it's a great way to start. And personally, I like EPs. It's, it's kind of like a, a little sneak peek of of a part of someone's life. And I like that. I like that. I I, I rarely listen to singles. I need more than one song. Um, so yeah, EPs. I really like EPs. And but obviously, full length albums are like diamonds. I love I I love albums. I'm and I mean personally for for my album, I like the, the order of the songs, everything was, was thought of. And I really hope that people listen to, to the whole thing. Um, although I know that singles and EPs are very, very popular today. I encourage everybody list who's listening to take the time to sometimes listen to a full album because the artist tries to say something with, with this album. And sometimes you won't get the full message if you just listen to like two or three songs, right? Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I find 
some yeah some artists works like you'll listen to you know a song at a time and you can really appreciate it as a song like it's a good like it's like a good like bop or whatever um but yeah it's not really until you listen to the entire like album or record that can really I guess like appreciate it yeah as artwork rather than just like something that is consumed yeah or like background music you know I mean I I sometimes listen to background music I mean I do but a lot of the time I listen to to albums with my headphones and close my eyes and kind of dream yeah (laughs) yeah no it's really really nice and it's nice that you know we're seeing like such a nice move um towards like physical copies of music as well too that force you to kind of consume the entire the entire work yeah I'm super old school I still I listen to cds like I have a I have a cd player It's nice. It's very intentional. Like it's yeah, a lot more intentional than Yeah, and there's a feeling of like opening the box, putting the CD in the C player, looking at the artwork. There's something it's like a ritual kind of. And I I feel different when I do that rather than when I like plug in my Bluetooth speaker and put on my phone. It's 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 a different feeling. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. Um I saw that you're releasing No Water No Flowers kind of like in chunks. Yeah um or in parts rather um what kind of was that like what am I saying what what was the decision to do that actually um I will be honest this was actually my boyfriend's idea my boyfriend plays guitar with me in my band uh and mandolin and we were um we were in Banff and we can talk about that later but uh we were in Banff doing a residency there together and I had just um, talked to to Courtney Harkins from um, from Baseline about working together, and we agreed on every, what we were gonna do. And and Luke told me, Luke is my boyfriend. He said something like, "Why don't you do um, like a few releases before?" And I was like, "Singles? I don't know. I don't want to release like two or three songs as singles. I'm not a singles person." And he said, "No. Why don't you like release like three songs at a time in different parts?" And I was like, "That's pretty smart." And I mean, I looked, I looked back and I like some artists that I really liked did it. Uh, John Mayer did it for uh, his album, The Search of Everything. And as a fan, I was super excited when he released three songs and I couldn't wait to hear the, the next three songs. And I thought about maybe my fans who could feel that way. And I thought it was a great idea. And I mean, in 2019, as I said before, the industry changes so much. I feel like just releasing 10 songs, bam, at a time, like it's kind of like burning them in a way it's it's you kind of want to stretch it out and but I didn't want to do singles so it's kind of like the best of both worlds in my situation I tried to try to kind of please the the audience but also please myself and and kind of really like the process myself so that that was the idea behind it and I was excited because I love artwork and stuff and I was like ooh, we can do like three different artworks and but it's I mean three different artwork is three times the amount of work it's three times the amount of money it's 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 a lot of work but overall I really liked the experience and I think it went really well and I'm I'm very happy with the results oh that's awesome and I guess too like because you're releasing I mean as far as I know like the the three parts digitally if you wanted to do physical you could do it all together right that's what I'm doing actually yeah Uh, uh, Courtney just texted me before and she went to pick up the cds she actually got them before me uh, because they were printed in toronto oh that's awesome Uh, yeah so she just sent me photos of the cds i'm really excited they're beautiful and the artwork is really different and artsy um oh yeah i can't wait to share that with you guys yeah oh cool i'm excited i'm gonna check it out 
Um, kind of going back, I guess, can you tell me a little bit more about the music residency that you did in Banff? Of course, yeah. Um, I actually did two. Um, the first time that I went to the Banff Center was in March 2017. It was kind of a weird time for me um, when I signed up. I had just recently uh, quit drinking. Um, I have been sober for more than two years now. And so it was kind of a weird time for me. But this was like two, two and a half years ago. I saw this on Facebook, this an ad for the BAM Center. And I was like, I've heard so many people talk about this. I wonder what it is. And I went on their website and I saw singer-songwriter residency, the first edition. I was like, oh, I'll apply to that. And I, I just applied. I actually had one English tune written ever. Um, and it's a, called, it's, a song, it's a song called uh, Margot's Song that I wrote for my aunt, who was sick at the time. And so I sent that and two French songs, and I translated the lyrics for them to understand, for the jury to understand. So I kind of did this not knowing at all what I was getting into. But I don't know. I just, I just did it. And I got an email back a few weeks later that said that I was accepted to the program. And I was like, whoa, okay, cool. Wasn't expecting that. Um, so I went, I went to the BAM Center by myself, um, in March, 2017. And I think I was the only person on the plane who did not have skis. I was the <laughs> only one <laughs> with a guitar and yeah, it was kind of, it's very in empowering for me to, to do this just by myself, just yeah. to go to the BAM Center and create there. And when I got there, again, I was like super self-conscious, super nervous about meeting people. I don't know what's up with me. <laughs> But like, as I said, I had just recently quit drinking. So for me, like social things were 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 very hard at that time. Mm -hmm. They made me really nervous. Plus, I was meeting amazing singer-songwriters from all over the world. So, yeah, very stressful the first few days. But it quickly became... The best experience of my whole life. I met so many great people there, people who are my best friends today, um, who I write with. Uh, Danielle Kinneby, a singer-songwriter that I met, who was also doing the residency there. She co-wrote um, a song on my album called Magnetic Love. And it's personally my favorite on the album, and I think people are really liking it too. So that's, I mean, if I didn't go to the BAM Center, I would have never met Danielle, and this would have never happened. So it was a two-week thing where we had our own little huts in the woods, like literally literally a little hut with a piano. And uh, we would just like create, do our things, and like sometimes meet up with other people, um, share ideas. And we'd do like songwriter circles at night, share what we worked on. We did concerts. And obviously there was amazing fac faculty there. Um, to help us, you can have a meeting with them, co-write. I mean, honestly, it's like any singer-songwriter's dream to go there. And I mean, the view, the mountains, the air, the animals, it's just, yeah, it's really great. And if I could go every year, I could. It's its kind of magic, the BAM Center. And I think anybody who's been there would, would tell you, like, it is magic. <laughs> For, like, a residency like that, like, is it basically, like... So you're all kind of 
from my understanding of what you said, like you all kind of do your own thing and then there's like guidance there if you need it yeah. sort of thing. Or is it structured or? I mean, it is structured in a way like there was there were meetings set every morning, but you never have to go. Um, if you feel inspired that morning and you don't want to go to the meeting, you don't have to go. You can go in your hut and do whatever you want. No one's going to like tell you off or, or, or whatever just because you don't go to the meeting. It's still very open. And that's what I liked about it. And that's what I needed at the time. Uh, since I was by myself and I was kind of like going there with no expectations or whatever, I liked that it was a little structured. But the next time I went, the second time I went to the BAM Center, um, I went and I did another residency called, what's it called? Musicians in Residency uh, Early Fall or something like that. And I actually went there last October uh, with my boyfriend, who is my guitarist and mandolinist. And we went there for two weeks and we worked on pre-production for the record, actually. Uh, the second week, my producer, François-Pierre Lou came, he flew and he met with us so for one week it was just Luke and I and we just like practiced the songs shared ideas we actually wrote uh, one or two songs during our time there and then the second week François-Pierre came and we did we recorded demos for all the 10 songs we worked so hard honestly like there's a lot of other musicians that were there and really not all singer-songwriters a lot of classical musicians jazz musicians and we each have our little room and honestly, I think we spend like 11 hours a day in the room recording, practicing, and we like hardly talk to anybody. <laughs> when we would go to eat, people were like, are you guys okay? <laughs> we never see you guys. Okay, I gotta get back to the house. <laughs> yeah, we were really, really focused. And so that was different, much less structured. Like you do, you make your own structure. And that, you see at that time, that's exactly what I needed. So I mean, you can do you can do whatever you want with a residency if if you if you want to structure it yourself. I mean, I suggest you do a little bit of structuring if you want to come back with with results. Um, but yeah, so I kind of did both at the BAM Center. Oh, that's so cool! Oh, it was great. Your previous EP covers uh, you released in twenty seventeen. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of tell me how you've developed, I guess, as an artist since then? Like, have you kind of found that like maybe your sound or like your inspirations have changed? Because that wasn't that long ago. That was only that one was only like a couple of years. But yeah, I, I mean, it. Uh, when was it released? I think it was the fall of 2017 that it was released. But it was actually recorded in the summer of 2016. So okay. it it doesn't seem like that long ago, but to me, it's really a long time ago. Um, Covers was a cool project, and at at another weird time in my life. Um, I, I released my first full-length Les Aurores Boreales in May 2016. Mm -hmm. And I mean, recording an album is like so much work and energy and money and love. And after we released it, I was so tired and um, I had expectations and I didn't reach those expectations and I didn't deal with it very well. Um, and I'd rather be open and honest about these things. So after the release of my first full-length, I wasn't feeling well at all. And I was kind of feeling disconnected from music and a weird feeling that I that I never really had and uh, Luke told me my boyfriend he he was like Geneviève why don't you why don't you just like play songs like you used to do when you were a teenager why don't you just like learn a bunch of tunes for fun and I was like okay yeah I guess I could do that so I started to do that just for fun and I 
just I did these covers and I kind of liked them so I, I called my producer François-Pierre Lou who's a my best friend and I was like what do you say if we go in a church and we record four songs in like I don't know four hours just for me just so I can listen to them and he was like yeah sure we'll do it so we went rented a church for like a hundred bucks went and we recorded the songs and I don't know if it was because it was a very emotional time for me but I, I really liked the result and still today I listened back to it and I'm like yeah that's cool I really like what we did and that was the first time that I was like really in charge of of a of a music project where I was kind of like deciding of the arrangements so I gained a lot of confidence doing this project as a musician and they're not my songs right so it's a different approach mm-hmm. um and after that project I realized like okay I can I can do this it, it's kind of like the seed that started everything f- for for no water no water no flowers it was kind of like yeah you could do this by yourself you can you can use your own ideas you can you can arrange songs you can you can co-write you can do these things so covers definitely gave me a lot of a lot of confidence so it, it didn't happen for nothing and I'm very grateful for that yeah I think it, it's and the music too influenced no water no flowers um, we took off a lot of instruments in this new album there's a lot of songs that don't have drums a lot of songs that are a little quiet and I decided to kind of own that like yeah it's quiet and that's that's just how it is and I I don't know I gained a lot of confidence with covers it, it gave me new ideas and yeah it was great yeah that's awesome um I feel like maybe I don't know like must have been really nice like being able to be creative and like express something but not express like your story yeah. if that makes sense absolutely that maybe there's yeah. some sort of like freedom and kind of like there's a little bit less like personal stake on the line and its expression in a different way because like the covers are all beautiful and they're all they're very like unique to your style obviously and they're very different from the originals um so you're still definitely like emitting a story or what am I saying um like projecting a story and yeah feeling but it's yeah it's through it's someone else's story I guess through your lens and it's yeah it's really beautiful and I think that's why people connected to the to the covers in a new way that they might have connected with the original song um, I really changed them up. Like, obviously, I'm not going to sing Nirvana the way Kurt Cobain sang Nirvana. Like, I can't. <laughs> um, so I really changed them up. And I, yeah, I think that's why people connected to them. And I was not expecting anything from these songs. And they had a certain success. And that felt really good, too. And I learned something, too, there. With my first album, Real, I had high expectations. I was, like, picturing just the future and trying to you know just having a lot of expectations and it didn't go the way I I dreamt and I felt so down after but with covers I kind of just went let's just do it for fun uh, the way that I love it and we'll see what happens and and it went well and every little success that I had with it was like oh that's nice it's a surprise wasn't expecting that so I kind of tried to use that mentality for no water, no flowers, to kind of just not expect anything and just go with the flow. Because when you have too many expectations, it, it's tough when when the things don't go the way you want it to. It's it's a it's a reality check, and it it sucks. Honestly, it sucks. Mm-hmm. 
especially too like it sounds like you're super duper organized and like very very prepared and like on top of it that if you're just like but I did all these things like I planned the steps like it should have been good yeah and that's the thing with the music business like you can't you can't you can be organized if you want but you never know you never know what's going to work or what's not going to work but I mean I do believe that if you work really really hard and you you do everything the way you should and that you're like genuine and and dedicated i i believe that you have to have a certain success but what is success that's another big question um i mean for for the releases that i that we've done for no water no flowers part one and part two i had zero expectations and i mean just the other day i learned that spotify put me on the cover of the folk and friends cover um playlist I saw that. that's so cool and, like I would have never expected that like John Mayer was on the cover of that a few weeks ago like what oh, that's wild so it's Congratulations. thank you it's it's even better when you don't expect it <laughs> mm-hmm. thank you oh that's amazing um kind of on a similar note I guess when it comes to kind of like marketing and publicity yeah. how have things changed for you since you started working with Courtney like do you enjoy social media is that something that you like to do yourself or yeah yeah I guess what's what's it what's it like working with someone in marketing oh I honestly like Courtney I love her so much I don't know if she knows how much I love her she's great um when I met with her she like literally showed me an excel sheet with like a timeline and people she was going to reach out to and I was like yes that's what I want I've worked with so many people in the music industry who are just like yeah, well, you know, we'll just, like, work on it and, like, go with the flow. I'm like, hey, I'm paying you. I don't want to go with the flow here. I need someone who's organized and who's going to, like, show me, okay, maybe the people I'm going to write to are not going to respond, but at least I want to know exactly what you're doing. And just Courtney, when I'm, I just really clicked with her the first time I met her. Um, so things have been definitely much better working with her for uh, marketing she helped me uh, make like a content calendar for my social media. She she makes content too for me to share. We uh, she helps me with uh, like the Facebook promotions, the Instagram promotions, and she just gives me overall advice on my social media. And she's really good at it. And I'm so grateful to be able to work with her. Plus, like she has she knows a lot about um, Canada. Uh, I was mostly focused for the, the in Quebec so it really helps me to kind of like reach new audiences and yeah get new fans she's really been helping me out a lot I love working with her so she in a way is kind of like taking on I guess the side of your project that maybe like the label played before almost almost yeah but yeah and it's it's different you know instead of Instead of like, I'm once again, I'm going to be like brutally honest. Instead of giving percentages to a label, I would rather pay someone up front and know that things are going to go well and know how much it's going to cost me and know what we're going to do. And I, I trusted Courtney because when I met her, we really clicked. And it was, I mean, I invited her to a show I was doing in Toronto. I think it was like more than a year ago. I was not expecting her to come and she came. And I was like, whoa, cool. And then we had a meeting, had a coffee and yeah. And I mean, I'm trying also to work with a lot of women. I feel like women are very empowering and are very good in the music business and we need to support them. Mm -hmm, Um, So I I love my team right now. Um, Mostly women. It's great. I'm very proud of that. And 
I love them all. <laughs> That's awesome. It sounds like with everyone I've talked to, like chemistry is so important kind of. Oh God. Yeah, really is. Yeah, and, like, every type of relationship, like, it's, like, if that's, like, songwriting or, like, friendship or, yeah, like, I guess I've, like, talked to, like, a couple, like, manager artist teams, but, yeah, it just kind of goes to show you that everyone that you surround yourself with, like, you do really need to vibe with them. Absolutely, and it's, like, it's such a hard business. Sometimes I need to, I need my manager or my publicist to tell me, like, hey, this is an awesome song. Hey, your video is cool, like... I need that personally. And I can't work with someone who's like really straightforward and doesn't say those things. And everybody's different. Um, But I really feel like for this album and all the releases that we're doing, I really feel like I've got the perfect team for me right now. Um, Even my musicians and my producer, François-Pierre Lou. I mean, this guy is is just amazing. I've been friends with him for 10 years. We met in Cégep, Cégep Saint-Laurent when I studied music. And he was studying piano. And he's actually like the first person I showed one of my songs to. And so we have a really, we have a, a deep connection. It's been a long time that we've been doing music together. And he's still my producer and we still work together. And I can't tell you how many hours he's put in this project. And I'm so grateful to be able to be best friends with my producer. Like who can, who can say that? Um, so recording this album was so much fun because of the relationship I have with François Pierre and the musicians and, and the engineer who's there too, Chez Brossard. I actually met him in Banff. Um, he was doing um, a residency for audio engineer engineering. And I met him when I was there and he was from Calgary, but then he moved to Montreal to, to work in a really cool studio called Hotel to Tango. So when I was getting ready to record my album, I was like, yeah, yeah, we're going to Hotel to Tango. <laughs> so just the whole team was was great. And it, it's absolutely so important to get along with, with everyone you work with. I mean, it has to be fun. It really does. Yeah. Otherwise, like, what, are you, what are you doing? <laughs> exact. Yeah. You said that you and Courtney are kind of working to try and expand like your audience and like your career a little bit further outside of Quebec like what has been like what's that been like and kind of how have you been doing that I guess yeah what does that mean that's a good question um I feel like I started that process without even knowing it um when I went to the map center and when I met there was a lot of Canadian singer-songwriters there and I made so many connections um so I think that was the first step for me and I mean, obviously, writing in, in English is another big step. And releasing my English songs was, was another step towards that. And I mean, Courtney's reaching out to like different blogs and, you know, different people in the media about this that maybe a Quebec team wouldn't know that much about. And I mean, the language thing is, is very important here in Quebec. And honestly, it is hard to find, like, let's say a publicist that will accept to work on some English tunes because they know that in Quebec it's tough for English songs it's really tough like radios have quotas that they have to play a certain amount of French tunes Um, there's a lot of French media so it was hard for me to find someone here so when I met Courtney and she told me about this plan and about like sending my stuff out to Canadian radios and Canadian and USA blogs and all that stuff I felt like that could really, really help me a lot. And I feel like it has made a huge difference um, in my audience too. Like if, if I look on my Spotify for artists or my Facebook, I see a, that 
it used to be only Quebec. But with the, the promotions we're doing, we're trying to reach like Toronto, Vancouver, different cities. And I, I mean, I think it's slowly working. And I mean, I don't really know exactly how to reach a bigger audience like fast. I think it's more of a, it's one day at a time type thing. And I mean, for sure, I'm going to go out and do a tour and, and do a lot of shows. I believe that shows are very, very important for promotion. And because of the contacts that I did make at the BAM Center, I'm going to be able to, you know, go tour in different places and uh, do shows with the friends that I met there. So I think it's it's not very, like, precise of a plan, but it's just kind of like we have to just do our best for that. Canada, in some ways, is, like, the most frustrating country. Like, I wish that we, like, the education system pushed the bilingual aspect more. Yeah. So... Oh, like I wish so badly that I had like stuck with French more and like maybe I'll do that more in like my adult life because I'm most yeah. for a while like I'll go in and out of periods of music obviously but like a lot of the artists I listen to are from Quebec oh yeah yeah and like I don't know there's so much good music that comes out and like I can still appreciate you know the music as like a good song yeah. but I would like love to just know more and be able to just like dig into that next level obviously you know oh yeah and Quebec really has its own industry it's it's like we have our own galas we have our own tv shows um we really have our own industry and it's it's a it's kind of a weird one too and in the sense that quebec is small and there's so many amazing artists and personally i find it's tough to like find my own place as a as a singer songwriter um and i feel like once again, I'm going to be honest, I feel like I cl- might have closed some doors here in Quebec because of the language thing, the language issue. Um, but I mean, I, maybe I closed a few doors here, but hopefully I open a bunch of new doors at other places. So, yeah, it was a it was a weird thing to go through. Like when I started releasing English songs, some people wrote to me like, oh, so you're an Anglophone now. And I was like, um, do you know me? Like I'm fully bilingual and have yeah. always been. <laughs> yeah. God, that's so it's, it's, funny. it's very tricky. Um, but yeah, got to keep going. And it, it doesn't matter what people think, really. The support is has been gigantic for, for No Water, No Flowers, part one and part two. And I'm so proud. And I just really hope that it keeps going that way for the full length album. Um, I hope so. So with having worked like both in English and French like do you find like quite a bit like do you have like a fan base like in Europe for example like are you able to reach people over there very well are you more kind of in Canada North America at this point I've never really tried to reach out to France um maybe I should but I I mean I decided for this album to go the plan was Canada uh, because of the English tunes um and the French tunes I mean I'm excited to tour and be able to go to different communities in Canada where it is francophone and share my music but um no I've never really tried Europe and I mean it's a dream I would love to go play there maybe after Canada yeah <laughs> one, one step at a time <laughs> yeah well, one thing at a time <laughs> Um, I saw on Instagram earlier this week that you had been selected to play a showcase during Canadian Music Week. That's so cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, what, like, for people that don't know, kind of what is Canadian Music Week? Like, what does that mean? 
Honestly, I'm not quite sure. I've never been. So, um, but I think it's like mostly like a big, big music conference. Um, a lot of people from the business are going to go there and go see showcases. A, sh a showcase is, is, for people who don't know, is uh, a short show that you present uh, in front of like promoters and people from the music business. Um, so I got the chance to, to get a spot, which is great. There's so many showcases going at the same time. I think they even host an award show and um at the same time so i think canadian music week is like it's taking over toronto from may i think it's may 6 from may 6 to may 12th and uh, a lot of music so it's a great opportunity if you live in toronto to to check out some some music from all over the world a lot of artists are going to go and play i'm very excited plus i'm playing at the painted lady and i love that place i've played there before and uh no i'm very lucky and excited for that Oh, there is so much good music in Canada and mm -hmm. it's hard right because like I was talking to someone that works in film about this and I feel like it's kind of the same whereas like Canada and the U.S. like they're so different but we don't have like a key differentiator like language or like an accent to like split up the difference between the two that's true huh? and Canada I feel like like I know like yeah the person I was talking to she was a producer in film and she was like yeah the Canadian industry struggles because even though it might be like bigger than say like the Australian industry because if we don't have an accent that separates us from the U.S. Um, will, like it kind of just gets like swept under the rug or forgotten almost and yeah you're like put it you're also put in the same category which makes yeah. it gigantic yeah yeah exactly so hopefully like yeah there's so much cool stuff that comes out of the country that yeah it's cool that there's showcases like this to kind of yeah absolutely and I mean wh when I met I mean, I keep talking about the BAM Center because it like obviously changed my life. But when I, when I went to the BAM Center, I met all these singer songwriters, Canadian singer songwriters who tour a bunch and who like have a career, and who I ne didn't necessarily like have had heard of before. But they have a full on career, and they're doing well. And that inspired me so much. I was like, oh, you can, I could do this. Like if they can do this, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it's like with any industry, it's like there's always like the rock stars and the people, you know, that you like hear about is like that like 1%. But yeah, it's cool. And what I'm learning from this podcast is like, there's so many ways to make a career and like support yourself in music outside of being like a superstar, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it's different everywhere. And it's different for each style of music to some people, it's more like shows, some other people, it's merch, some people, it's a radio play. It's, it's just... There is no um, recipe for, for, for success, I guess, in this industry. It's just you got you to gotta make your own path and you got to just go all the way. On kind of like the topic of live shows, like what have been some kind of standout performances that you've done? Like any, any funny stories that you can share? Oh. oh, I have a good one, actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in 2017, I did this tour it's called Rosec, which means Réseau des Organisateurs de Spectacles du Québec, de l'Est du Québec. Um, so I did a tour in the east of Québec, um, Gaspésie, if you know where that is. So it's a bunch of really cute venues. And um, we went there, we did, I think, seven shows, seven or eight shows. And so lots of driving, like Gaspésie is... A, like the furthest we went was like 13 hours away from Montreal by car. It's really far. Wow. And I don't drive. So, and I went duo with Luke <laughs> who drove the whole way. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one day we, it was actually before our last show. It was a house concert at this place called Rainbow Submarine. 
an amazing house concert series that they have. And before, I think Soundcheck was at like, I don't know, two. And we left our motel at like 11 and we were like, oh, there's a nice park around here, Parc du Bic. We should really check it out. We have time before Soundcheck. Cool. So we go to Parc du Bic and we like take a little walk and it's nice. It's romantic. I'm with my boyfriend and it's great. Tour is great. And Luke was, and I guess he wasn't looking where he was walking and he like bumped into a tree, <laughs> but like pretty bad. Like he cut oh, his no. eye, like his <gasps> eyelid was cut and oh, he no. was like, he was bleeding and oh, like gushing blood. It was horrible. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I- I'm good. We can go to the sound check. And I'm like, dude, you can't go to sound check. Like you're bleeding. And so we had to go to the hospital and we had to drive to the hospital. Keep in mind, I don't drive. So Luke drove himself to the hospital, like holding his eye with one hand and driving with the oh other hand. God. And we went to the hospital and I had to call the place for the house concert. And I said, like, we're going to be late for sound check. My boyfriend, like, <laughs> cut open his eyelid <laughs> on a tree. And this isn't like a hard, hard hike or whatever. It's like a little walk. <laughs> like there's chil- there was children behind us. <laughs> Poor guy. And uh, oh no. so we went to the hospital and he got like not stitches but these little like band-aids that do like the stitching and um he played the show and he had like a black guy and we made fun of him the whole time it was it was hilarious poor guy so yeah and there's a video of this somewhere it's very yeah poor guy photos too and yeah that was that was funny but not funny but kind of funny (laughs) like now like now it is oh yeah it's yeah it's good and yeah, the funniest part is that, it, like I said, it's not a very hard hike. He was just kind of like out of it and bumped into a tree. Like, yeah. So that I mean, was a good one. You never know. Yeah. You never know. You know. You never know. <laughs> um, what are some of the projects that you have kind of coming up this year? Like, I know you're in the process of releasing the album, which is huge. Um, yeah. But are you like touring or anything coming up? Um, yeah, this summer, I mean, I am doing a tour. I'm going um, to New Brunswick to do a tour. Uh, I'm really excited. I haven't been to New Brunswick in so long. And I love that part of the country. Um, so yeah, I'm going to New Brunswick to do a tour. I'm also doing a, a small tour in uh, Quebec, doing a few shows here. Um, I also have a residency in November. I'm doing a one-week residency in the in a venue in Notre-Dame-des-Prairies, and we're going to kind of like work on a new show. Oh, cool. Um, and work on probably having um, video a video done for booking and, you know. So working a lot on that. But honestly, other than that, I'm going to try and chill. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think you probably This album <laughs> was... Oh, God, it was so much work. So much work. And with the part one, part two, it was like even more work. Plus, like I said, I'm recently an independent artist, so I'm like really doing it all. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna try and chill a little bit. I mean, in a few months, maybe I'm thinking maybe doing a covers too, but I'm not like I'm not there yet. But it's definitely in the back of my mind. Cool. Maybe like a vacation first. <laughs> well, I'm actually going on vacation in like two weeks. Oh, so is it worth that'll going? be. I'm going to Cuba with my mom. Oh, that would be so nice. <laughs> Just doing nothing, like sitting on the beach. I really need it. Oh, It'll be great. I really want to go to Cuba. <laughs> where can people find you on like social media and stuff? And where can people find your music? And where can they find the album? All right. So social media, you can find me pretty much everywhere. Um, Facebook, Geneviève Rasset. Uh, Instagram, it's uh, Je Rasset. Um, Twitter, I don't really use Twitter, but 
I'm on there. <laughs> um, and for the album, I mean, so far there's part one and part two that's released. Uh, you can find that on any streaming platform, Bandcamp, SoundCloud. Honestly, just type my name and you'll probably find it. Um, and the album, same thing, but the album's coming out on May 24th. I am doing a launch concert. I forgot to say this before. I am doing a launch concert in Montreal on May 24th um, at Sala Rosa and a launch concert at the Transac in Toronto on June 1st, um, if you guys want to come. Um, and after that, the album, the physical album will be available. I mean, at all my concerts, I will have some with me or you can write to me and I'll mail you one. But uh, other than that, it's going to be available on all the streaming platforms, iTunes, you know, everywhere. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and thanks again, Genevieve, for coming onto the podcast. I've linked to the show notes for this episode in the description, so make sure you check those out for photos, links, and any other media on the topics that we discussed during the episode. The song that was played during the episode's introduction was Mille Fois Par Jour off of Genevieve's new album, No Water, No Flowers. I apologize to any French speakers for that absolute pronunciation catastrophe, but moving on. Part one and two of her album are available now, so make sure you check those out, and the complete album will be out on May 24th. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. They really do help. And of course, if you have any topics that you'd like me to bring up with one of our next guests, please either email me at offkey at membran.net, or you can send me a message at either Membran Labs or Linsa Arnold on Instagram. Offkey and Fault Tolerant, our sibling podcast on tech and blockchain, are both produced by Membran Entertainment Canada, aka Membran Labs, a music services company that provides distribution services for the export of Canadian music. We are also exploring blockchain technology to create a more transparent and secure ecosystem for music rights owners to get paid. If you're interested in recording your own podcast at Membran Labs, make sure you find out more info on our website at www.membranlabs.com. That's it for now. I'll see you next Monday. And this is Northern Star by Genevieve Reset. Thanks. Flame that never dies